Hi, I'm K.S. Garner, and you're listening to the Solo Nerdwood Podcast. Today, I'll be speaking with the writer and creator of the Urban Warlord comic series, Jermaine Williams, here to promote his first issue on Kickstarter. Welcome, Jermaine. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad that you contacted me and stuff like that. This is nice. Oh, well, thank you for joining us. But uh, outside my introduction, who is Jermaine Williams in his own words? All right. Uh, well... Jermon Williams is a comic book writer from the Midwest um, who enjoys writing gritty urban fantasy stories. Well, gritty stories in general, you know. Um, prior to getting into the, you know, indie comic book industry, I worked with the National Guard for about eight years. So, like, a full contract. Uh-huh. Are you from the Midwest or are you from the South Bronx? Because the story is set in the South Bronx, but you are in the Midwest. So, like, are you from New York oh, or, no, no, like... Yeah, I just, uh, it, the story just takes place in, um, like, the South Bronx, but I'm from, like, you know, um, around, like, the St. Louis area. That's uh-huh. where I'm from. Well I, just, well, I just wanted to know because um, I guess there's this huge attraction to New York City, especially when you're writing urban fantasy type stuff or anything set in the city, whereas um, in my writing, since I'm from Baltimore City, it's set in Baltimore City, which... Um, I guess it's interesting to a lot of people. And I'm like, that's that's really all I know. I don't really know New York City to write enough about it. I just know that, you know, it's got the the boroughs and the Empire State Building and the and and um Worcester Dame, uh Statue of Liberty, and yeah. that's all I really know. I don't really know enough about New York City to set my to set my story in there. So that's why I was wondering. I was like, you're from the Midwest or you're from New York City? Like, what was the attraction to the South Bronx that made you want to put your story in there well the funny thing is uh the story of urban warlord is actually a prequel to something that uh me and a friend did like years ago hmm. and it it was featured in new york and i wanted to like tell the story of um what happened prior to those events and stuff what built the city up based on since there's werewolves and vampires that live there you try to i try to figure out like some of the political and social things that were going on prior to that and stuff you know um like the policing and things of that nature that changed over time and i, I kind of discussed that that uh how it sh- like there's a shift that happens and also the migration so i really like that came down to the process of me just researching new york all the time like looking at the map looking at the city and stuff you know mm-hmm. uh placing like fictional stores and things of that down i had a i got a whole map where I know where everything is, I know where certain streets are. So it was really just came down to a lot of research. Uh Well, you're a lot better than me because being from (laughs) Baltimore City, it helps that I kind of have a feel for the city. So a lot of those places that I make up, I didn't really make it up. These places exist, I just made up what it actually is. But um, what is Urban Warlord about, the series about? Oh, well, Urban Warlord uh, follows Ernesto Rudolfo uh, which is a tough teenage werewolf and his militant fraternity, the Urban Rangers, as they work to save the 1970s South Bronx uh, through political, social, and military means. Uh-huh. So I guess, could you elaborate a little bit more? Like you just mentioned that you pretty much did a lot of research with putting your, um, your story in the South Bronx, um, researching New York City and the map of everything but can you elaborate just a little bit more on your creative process for over urban warlord as a whole so it was just oh, yeah. a thought in your head 
to working on it, I guess, working out what each, maybe each installment will be eventually, and then mm -hmm. selecting the appropriate collaborators on this project. And then now you're promoting it on Kickstarter. So pretty much from start, middle to end, how was that whole process for you? Well, the start, I, I'm not going to lie. The first part of the, like, I'm trying to develop the story. It, I feel like it started maybe like with, I feel like it came prior to starting this story, really, because mm -hmm. I had to figure out like some of the characters and what people related to. Uh, and a friend of mine who actually wrote kind of like the, the outline of what this was going to be. Because, um, and then what I did was just, I, I, I asked him, I said, hey, can I do something with the story? He said, yeah. And that's what I did. So I went and started to search for something that was similar. So I looked at the movies like The Warriors, uh, for example, and stuff, you know, and 1970s. Um, I did a lot of like, like reading like history books and stuff and seeing what's happening. Um, articles. I was, before I even got uh, to the point where I was writing, I looked at articles all the time. So I was always looking at the New York Times, seeing um, some of the stuff that was happening. And at that time, 70s, this 1970s, like New York, were going through a financial crisis, especially before like the stagflations happened across the whole nation and stuff, you know? So mm -hmm. when I had to figure out like, how can I put like werewolves in a un in a situation where they're back against the wall at all corners because werewolves are usually supposed to be in the wild you know as we see in most stories but when you put them in the city they're you know they're usually out of place and other people might mention that with vampires might mention that and stuff like that where it's like you're out of place you're not supposed to be here which integrates with um what was going on at the time with you know african americans and um some of the puerto ricans that were moving there and stuff you know where they're trying to establish themselves in like the city and start their own thing. But at the same time, a financial crisis is happening. So I connect those two things together. You know, some things that was actually happening in reality with some of the supernatural appeal to it. So how was it for you for um, when you started, I guess, searching and um, eventually selecting the appropriate collaborators for this project that you wanted, you know, to work on this project with you? Well, that's the funny thing. Like, I didn't know how to start at first. Uh, so I really started to reach out through like the Fiverr app. Like the Fiverr app is where I got in contact with a lot of people. Like there's been a few times where I contacted people on Facebook and um, got some art done from them. But majority of time is through the Fiverr app where I kind of got like all my, like my artists, my colorists, uh, letterists and, you know, that's that's really where I got like all the collaborators from, so, mm -hmm. it's, so it's really they work like you know commission work and stuff. So, uh huh. So I guess so. What was it about? Um, I guess let me see your collaborators here. Um, was it Ezekiel? Is his name? Yeah. Is that correct? And yeah. Yeah. Like so, what was it about their work? um that appealed to you and was like hey you know that you wanted them that you thought that they could translate what you wrote down onto the page yeah I was looking for something like a style like my big thing was finding like a style that kind of 
works with the time. Like I wanted something that was more rough and more grittier and stuff like that. Grittiness was like my big word. And I, I couldn't go with the classic comic book style that we usually see that's drawn out and stuff like that because mm. it looks nice and appealing uh, to everybody, yes. But I wanted something that was more grittier and stuff like that. So that's what Ezekiel brought. And also the fact that he can constantly pump out pages quickly. And I, I started to notice that. So we just, for the last, what, probably three years or something like that, I've been working with him. And he's just consistent the whole time. So I just stayed working with him. Uh-huh. So how did you manage to, to incorporate your influences? Like you mentioned that, you know, the Warriors, the movie, the Warriors, and um, I guess influences maybe from other urban fantasy, maybe comics, books, wherever it may be, and then the historical influences as well. So how did you incorporate your influences for Urban Warlord, but maintain that this world is yours and not those influences or someone else's as well? Well, actually, it's funny because that you uh, asked that because someone emailed me the other day that there was a comic book by Marvel called The Wolfpack that I had no clue about where it's very similar uh, to some of like some of the premise of the story, you know, some of mm -hmm. it. Um, but a lot of times, like really how I distinguish it is the fact that I made sure that it wasn't about being a gang, right? Because mm -hmm. the Warriors, it was really about a gang that's doing that versus this one where it's really about people taking actions in the community to like to fix it and stuff, right? Mm -hmm. um in a troubled time so i almost try like to... the black panthers right that kind of sounds like that where everyone thinks the black panthers are a gang but they're more of you know they really trying to help fix their community you know because they're the ones that started like the what was it the uh breakfast for for children like um yeah i forgot what's like after school lunches and stuff like that and breakfast for the kids and so, so yeah they started that as a way to fix their community where everyone on the outside looking as like a gang right mm -hmm. exactly and stuff you know it like some people might look at the urban rangers as like you're just a vigilante group because a lot of times they do do patrol or you know you're just adding to like the violence that happened because you know you do have the situations where they get they fight people in the streets and stuff mm -hmm. like that you know if it came down to it saving people that's either being like robbed or attacked for different reasons because that was a that was a common occurrence that happened during that time and stuff you know so i i know it, it you know at, at times it comes off like more like where you have like superhero type stuff but the outcome you'd be more like the the outcome is more what like anti-hero would be and stuff you mm -hmm. know how they handle things and stuff because we're looking at like the werewolves and werewolves you know they rip things up they destroy things and stuff at times and stuff you know but that became part of my biggest question and stuff like that like can they do something outside of that are they capable of doing that because they have an other side we always see that um we always notice that like with the werewolves and in, in comparison especially when the vampires are there you know they're always like second tier mm. you know when it comes down to intelligence and organization and anything like that i wanted to make that different in this situation i wanted to give it more like light of what they can do and stuff you know that they can be intelligent that they can be organized you know and 
how it can affect things over like the decades, you know, because urban warlords supposed to go all the way to like the early 90s. And you get to see that transition, you know, with people, wow. you know, uh, shifting from uh, being a teenager to adult, you know, some people having kids and, you know, and the influences that they have on their kids and what they do with it later. So, uh-huh. so it's supposed to, it's from the seventies to the nineties. So how many issues do you plan on creating for the, you know, for that far like that? Yeah. And that's the thing. I had a plan. That's, I, I started out with a strong plan of what it was, but uh, I had to extend it more just to give people more character and, you mm-hmm. know, develop the story more. So now I'm like, I'm unsure, but I know <laughs> the, the, the basic things that need to happen leading up to um, the, the series Blood City, which uh, takes place in the 2000s and stuff. But that, that's the thing. I, I know the, the certain story beats that needs to be, need to happen. Uh-huh. Um, so what advice would you offer to other creators you wish someone would have told you when you first started? Oh, really? It, <laughs> I wish they would have told me about like the Harmon Circle, because the Harmon Circle is my go to, you know, the like go to technique I use every single time I need to construct the story. And uh, so what, it, what's that? What's the Harmon Circle? The Harmon Circle is like, I see it. They used it for a lot of times for like screenwriting for shows and movies. Mm-hmm. And it's an eight step process. And the, that process starts you from like, tell you like, uh, it starts with your character in a, um, your everyday situation. Like, so they might be working or doing something, uh, but they want something. That's the second step. Um, and then it, it, it goes all the way around to like, eventually, I think third step was, they come across a unfamiliar situation. And then fourth, if it's a series, the fourth step is gonna happen for the remainder of the series. So that would be like them adapting to that, you know? And like a good person to go to, I would say is Tyler Mori. I watch his videos all the time and he kind of helps you with screenwriting, but I also use that for just writing in general because it gives you a layout, it gives you a step-by-step process to um, getting through your story without losing focus and keep that momentum. That's what I, I think that's the biggest thing about the Harmon Circle. You keep momentum while keeping to the main themes of the story. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that's what it was called. I remember learning that oh, a couple of years ago, but I didn't know it had a name to it. Yeah. <laughs> um. But throughout this whole process, you know, um, you creating the story that you, you mentioned, this is actually a prequel to something else you worked on before and then doing all of the historical research, the cultural research of New York City itself, um, and then creating a story, finding collaborators, um, and then now promoting it on Kickstarter. That's just, and this this is just this process. This isn't this doesn't even count like what goes on outside in you know in the real world. You know, taking mm-hmm. care of the household and working and trying to maintain relationships. Do you or did you ever get overwhelmed with everything? Like, did it ever become too much? And how did you manage, or how do you manage? Typically, manage your mental well being when it does become too much. Well, that's the thing. Like. 
I know recently, uh, it was more with the budgeting that I was trying to make sure <laughs> I, had, I had to make a big budget switch uh, right before the launch, which is most mostly stressful. Uh, but outside of that, I learned how to like kind of always manage my time and the, the job that I work now, it's I can become robotic and get things done while also thinking about the story like during work and stuff. And so when I get to break time or when I get off, I can just record anything that I have. Um, voice memos too, that's on my phone. Like I, I use that just to uh, keep down like my thoughts and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it can still, the process, it becomes stressful, especially when, you know, you move into the territory of like unknown, you know, mm-hmm. Kickstarter is still unknown to me, even though I take the uh, comics tribe like course, which helps mm-hmm. me guide, like guide me through the whole process. It's still a, a, a tricky thing because you never know if you're going to succeed or not, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But uh, my last question for you, Jamon, is what is your idea of success? I ask that because as creators, if we're not getting regular paychecks from a full-time job or making consistent revenue from our art, we're considered failures or we consider ourselves failures. Many of us will put our dreams and projects on a back burner or give them up altogether because this career path can be highly intimidating and competitive. So what is your idea of quote-unquote success? Quote-unquote success for me would be um, I develop a like a loyal audience. You know, it, it don't have to be like, huge and stuff like that that's not my big thing where it's like i need to have like a mainstream audience and stuff you know because i understand uh the story that i'm uh, producing is not for everybody you know um and some of the content that they have and stuff like that that's what i'm saying since it's gritty and stuff it's it's not for the average comic book writer and stuff but what I, my whole thing with like success would be i'm I would say that just a loyal audience that just sticks with every single issue until it's finished. Um, they connect with the characters, you know. Um, and then if it's anybody that wants to learn about script writing, and I'm still in the process of learning more about it, you know, they learn just by watching it, you know, like as I do when I watch movies or, you know, or I watch shows, I, I pay attention and learn like the techniques that they use and stuff, you know. And I, you know, I hope that's, that'd be success for me, like to teach somebody while also entertaining them at the same time. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I never, I don't think I've ever heard of that answer before. That's uh, a, a loyal and engaging, I think an engaging audience as well would work um, as well. Um, but is there anything else that you wanted to touch on about Urban Warlord as a whole that I may have missed? Maybe discuss rewards for potential backers? Yeah. Um. Well, one of the biggest things that, you know, recently that I did was add four more pages. I wanted to add 12 so bad, but <laughs> it was uh, it was going to mess with the, the weight for shipping mm-hmm. all the products. But I did add four pages to issue one to give you more um, clarity of some of the characters and relationships and stuff prior to going on the like the big mission um, that I can actually explain now. All right. So in Urban Warlord issue one, um, you see the Urban Rangers take their first step into saving uh, the South Bronx by attacking a vampire drug smuggling ship coming through the New York Harbor on the 4th of July celebration. That's that's what's happening there and stuff like that. But they soon discover that their actions will be felt across the whole, like all of New York 
throughout the 1970s. So mm-hmm. that's that's the whole thing that um, that's happening there and stuff. But you, I'm trying to make sure with these ne- uh, these four pages that I'm adding is showing the relationships before certain actions take place in there that you know that can really turn some things around and stuff so you have more clarity same thing with um the prologue issue issue zero you know which shows you ernesto during the uh, 60s right so he was as i say would be two years prior to issue one and he's 14 years old um he's just coming into his werewolf state like around that uh age period around 13 14 that's when they start realizing that they something different you know that something's up with him and stuff like that so um he's going through growing pains um and you, you see some of the tragic things that happened to him during that time that makes him into what he is during issue one mm-hmm. but i add two more uh pages in that one too to kind of um show you the last bit of like of before he becomes the way he is like the last bit of thing like that that seems kind of nice about him that people appreciate about him before he just turns all the way into a uh, fighting force uh-huh. so. so are there complications i guess working with your collaborators with ezekiel and with uh jayish um trying to add pages is there any issues with that no nah, no nah, they um they're okay with it like a lot of times they're real happy like jay a lot of times when i sent when I sent like some of the uh, pages to like the printer just to make sure that everything was going to print out right, and I noticed that everything was just super dark. He caught it before I even got like before I got the book back. He was like, "Hey man, um, I noticed that some of the uh, pages a little bit it might be a little bit dark. You want me to lighten that up for you?" I was like, "Yeah, I mean, yeah," because I didn't know how bad it was going to be until I saw it, and I was like, "Yeah, I I need to lighten up." So, um. He had no problem doing that. Um, same thing with Ezekiel. Ezekiel, I, I just contact him ahead of time, give him a week or so before, because a lot of time I know he's busy. He's also doing like multiple projects at the same time. And I asked him, like, are you going to be available anytime? Because uh, I got these extra pages. And he's like, yeah, I'll be, you know, I'll be available in the next week or so or so. Or if I'm about to take a vacation, he's about to take a vacation. Mm-hmm. He, he's like, uh, I've started on this day and stuff. So, we always give each other a, a heads up to know when we're available and when we can uh, do things and how we can, you know, pay for the work that uh, be, be distributed out. So, yeah. have you done have you done this before, Kickstarter before, or like any type of crowdfunding for a project before? Because it sounds like you've had like a better experience than most people that I've spoken to when they first started doing a Kickstarter, especially with your collaborators. Uh, no, I, I, this is the first time. This is the first time like the the book has been done for a while. Like mm-hmm. I had, you know, just saving up every single month and then, you know, just paying down a little bit of the until like that book was done on both issue zero and issue one. And so that part was out of the way. Outside of that, most of the things I was learning is from like um Comics Tribe. Comics Tribe really lays out what a Kickstarter is gonna be. What, uh, how to set up your budget and everything. Uh, they have a community that helps you understand, like, if you have run into problems, and some people they've done this before. Um, actually, I think one of the, the people that you interviewed 
was part of part of the comics tribe uh community yeah then know? he he's the one that hosts the that does the podcast and then he does like test he talks in the beginning and then does an interview and then the voicemails at the end yeah i did i did one that was back in maybe december i want to say that i spoke with tyler yeah yeah yeah, yeah it just it and it, it just you know it works like I, he hasn't steered me wrong at all like everything that i had my concerns about caught on to it. and that was like one of the big thing with the budget you know i had a higher budget and i had more rewards and then read something in a uh, small print made me go back and fix everything you know <laughs> had to shrink it down read, a lot yeah you gotta read the small print and so how was it switching from i guess the artist person that you are as the writer to now the business person with managing the budget. So how was that for you? Cause you said like in the beginning you had a bunch of, you know, the budget was higher and you had a bunch of rewards and then reading the small print and be like, Oh, I need to go back and change this and make the adjustments because, you know, I may not have enough profit to, I guess, divvy out these rewards you know for our budget so how was that making that switch for you are you used to being able to handle money properly or managing it or how, how did that work for you I, well I'm, i would say i'm good at saving money like i'm very i'm good at very, uh saving uh money but i i ain't gonna lie it was outside of this it's it's difficult because you know trying to find the right vendors um that will like basically meet your you know your funding goals and stuff like that then that's not too expensive but can still give you quality product and stuff you know that i think that took me like weeks and maybe months to try to figure out like the, some of the um like the comic printing companies that i want to use some of the you know uh all all the all those all those features and stuff like that that was all new to me you know mm -hmm just to really like run into that and then try to figure out like, okay, how does this work? And then, you know, you got to contact or reach out to them and try to figure out how, you know, how long is it going to take? So I can tell my backers like, Hey, you'll be getting these award like awards here. And then also a big thing that I had to change, which was, I was worried about was international backers, you know, cause that was a whole nother level for me and stuff. And, also added a, a big expense that I couldn't like really cover this time around. Maybe later on I can do it and stuff, but right now I couldn't, I couldn't really, you know, cover that. Mm -hmm. So how, how are you going to have it printed? Like, where are you going to have it printed? I don't think I've ever asked that before. Oh yeah. It's, um, at first I was going to go with uh, comic impressions. Um, and that was one that was recommended to me. Um, but after like looking at things and seeing how much to print it and the way I wanted to be printed, I decided to go with uh, Mixum. Mixum is, uh, I think, a company out of like Chicago, mm -hmm. and it's not too far from me and stuff like that. So it's easier I can I can I can access it and stuff. So that's the one I decided to go with. Yeah. So will printing it be difficult? I mean, it, how is the price go? Because I know that like especially during the height of the pandemic. There was issues with printing um, stuff for people, like especially with mass printing. So, did they give you like a timeline of how they, when is going to be, how long it's going to take for it to be printed, and like how was the pricing, I guess, compared to others? Yeah, um, I know because 
at, at like during this time you have a paper shortage. Yeah. So, so that that that's also increasing prices to uh, too and stuff. Um, now they do del- give you a delivery date and stuff, you know, or how how long it's going to take. You know, I think this one this company is take about five business days for it to get all printed, right? Well, for the like the the ones the test copies that I'm getting done, uh, which is only five. Uh-huh. It's going to take uh, only like five days to get printed and I should get it by like they told me like the 19th or something mm-hmm. so at least both I say both companies do give you a layout of what you're getting and stuff because comic impressions is going to take longer because it's from Florida so I got to wait a little bit longer and stuff to get it and stuff I did get a, a test print from them uh too just to see like how it would look mm-hmm. That's cool. Sorry, I'm asking you these questions like you're an expert. And I was just wondering, I was like, how does the printing stuff work? I've never asked that before. Oh, no, no, no. It's it's, it's fine and stuff like that. Because I, I had to dive in deep to figure out what paper to use because, you know, um, I wanted to go with all matte paper. Mm-hmm. You know? Because that's what I feel like the the vibe of the story. And also, I want to be have people to read it because if it's on glossy paper, it's going to be shiny. It's going to be glares. Why are you like just trying to read the comic books and stuff? And that's what I didn't want. So, but when I got it, I noticed that dull, like, I know it wasn't matte paper, it was dull paper. Dull paper makes it look like dark. Everything uh-huh. was so super dark. And I was like, ah, I gotta, I gotta switch up, you know? I gotta find a way to, uh, that's why I think I, I really just switched over to uh, mix them because they had like, like the paper that, I needed to keep like the glow of the colors while not like losing this quality and not getting too dark and stuff. So that was that was a big reason why I changed over. Uh-huh. So it's not it's not glossy, is it right? Because I'm thinking this from what I've seen on the pages from the Kickstarter, it looks like a lot of stuff is set at night. And I feel like from what you said, it's super dark. So I feel like glossy would be the go-to, but it's it's not glossy. It's like somewhere in the middle, maybe. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's like because uh, depending on like what like type of paper you choose and stuff like that, that can determine how bright the colors shine and how how dull it is and stuff. Because mm-hmm. matte paper, I believe, is supposed to be the right one to like help you out and stuff. But I made sure that also ordered some gloss ones just to see how it looked and like how it would turn out and stuff too, just in case you know, uh-huh. just in case. <laughs> All right, well, again, I want to thank the writer and creator of the Urban Warlord comic series, Jermon Williams, for joining us here today to promote his first issue on Kickstarter. I highly recommend our listeners to consider checking out, sharing, and or backing Urban Warlord issue one currently on Kickstarter if they can. All of Jermon's socials and website will be listed in this episode's details alongside the Kickstarter for those who are interested. Again, I'm K.S. Garner, and you have been listening to the Solo Nerd Podcast. Thank you. Thanks.